Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this episode, we share insider information on MLS Season Pass how HBO Max did in its debut U.S. men's game, what's going on in La Liga, insights from our meetings with Rebecca Lowe, the two Robbies, and Tim Howard, and much, much more. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, it was uh, great to catch up again. We we, we do this pod on a weekly basis. Obviously, we we talk throughout the week sometimes, and and, uh, you write articles for us, and you know, you've been a kind of a a long time contributor and senior writer but it's not that often that we get to to meet up in person so um we had an indian meal uh last week that was delicious it was good to catch up in orlando for the nbc fan fest yeah it was a lot of fun uh not only to catch up with you and uh and, and renew uh acquaintances and compare notes and and and, and do all of that but then to, to kind of get a feel for um how uh, NBC's coverage has changed in, in the, over the course of 10 years. This is 10 years, and obviously uh, we're seeing uh, tangible changes in how they present the Premier League. And at times uh, at, in the past, and I think justifiably so on this podcast, we've been critical of them being maybe too formulaic, maybe too static, but we're seeing uh, progress. And I think some of the insight we got this past weekend, Chris, was that uh, COVID coming when it did uh, may have short-circuited some of these uh, positive changes we've seen in the last two seasons, uh, and particularly this season, from happening earlier. So that's something that maybe I would have been negligent in not factoring into my analysis of their coverage. Yeah, a couple of key elements that we learned about. And and, and Kartik has some, uh, two, two great articles at worldsoccertalk.com. One, which is the um, kind of uh, interview with Rebecca Lowe talking about uh, it's been 10 years since uh, the NBC Sports coverage uh, started for the Premier League five more to go um, what's her outlook for, for the future as well as uh, Kartik's interview with Tim Howard both of them are really good pieces but some of the things I, I took away from these meetings that we had and, and discussions and interviews was uh, the key word was baby steps and I think it's one of those things that uh I mean, it, sometimes, I mean, in general, things can be formulaic, but they're continually trying to tweak things and, and trying to uh, it, it basically increase the amount of 
access and coverage that they have. So for anyone that's been watching the Premier League in the last few weeks, you probably would have seen a few things that we haven't seen in a long time. And a lot of those are uh, post-match interviews with uh, Chris Richards, uh, uh, Kepa, um, and many others, as which is something with the NBC uh, Sports microphone, ask them questions post-match. Um, other things as far as even just um, at halftime, as a player is walking off the pitch in that Brentford-Bournemouth game, having kind of uh, a mic and, and hearing what they're saying in terms of their analysis, seeing the, the locker room or changing room or dressing room, whatever you want to call it, uh, seeing some of the footage inside the Brentford stadium. So that was one of the, th- the things I kind of took away was it was baby steps that they're continuing to see if they can get more access. Um, and it's tough, right, Kartik? Because in, in many ways, I think that the Premier League... Um, doesn't want the sport to be Americanized completely, where it's like NFL or, or NBA, but it's cognizant of, you know, I mean, trying to find that balance between giving access but not going too far. Yeah, and I think that that is a, a tough balance, right? We talked about this last week on the pod that I had uh, my own concerns about that. Um, and I, I think finding that balance is going to be tough, for the league and for the broadcasters. And also, as I mentioned the uh, last week, the issue of club TV channels. I think maybe Brentford is more, um, is more apt to give that access, as we saw in that match against Brighton, than uh, uh, Manchester City or, or, or Arsenal would be, because they have club TV channels that are, that, uh, are subscribed to by, by I, I presume, millions of fans. We don't really know the numbers. But uh, that, uh, that access is a, is a privilege of being a supporter the way uh, – and, and is uh, monetized at some of those clubs yeah and the other thing too i think that we will will we will see i mean it's happening already in terms of peacock peacock uh allows us to actually get more coverage so a halftime of a typical nbc premier league game uh on nbc or if it was on usa network uh is you mean basically a couple of minutes of talk commercial coming back for about maybe 30 to 90 seconds back to a commercial and with peacock we do have an opportunity to actually get more halftime coverage and also the other part of this too is that i think we're going to get more and more um kind of interviews with uh peter drury and lee dixon and graham lasso kind of from the commentary gantry um leading into the coverage and even post-match and i think it's great to to tap and get the insight from Peter Drury and Graham Lasso and Lee Dixon. Uh, they're at the stadium. They're right there. They, they've seen it. And sometimes they see things differently than we do on television. Or they might see things that are happening off off camera. Um, and, and that's something I, I'm sure you two, you two uh, Kartik, uh, will always enjoy and take, take something from those um, observations and analysis. Yeah, and, and I think this is... Uh, um Part of the impact of NBC replacing Arlo White with Peter Drury, you've gone from, you know, an okay guy, run of the mill uh, uh, commentator to arguably the best commentator in the English language at this moment uh, in in uh, it's certainly in English football, uh, maybe in, in world football. So uh, you've got a different kind of pair of eyes and 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 uh, types of observations. And, and I, I really liked uh, like the segments we're seeing with him and Graham Lasso and him and, and, and Lee Dixon. There's, there seems to be more to it than just kind of basic match facts that we were getting uh, on those segments previously. So that's enhanced the coverage. And, and I think 
think obviously, uh, in addition to that, the studio has worked well off of that. Now, uh, the point you make, Chris, about Peacock versus USA and NBC is is very, very pertinent because, uh, again, I think a lot of the real positive improvements we're seeing from NBC's presentation are on Peacock matches. On linear, there are still limitations. I mean, in fact, uh, there was one linear match recently that there was such a limitation that they, they got out of there right after the match, right? They, they had uh, they went back to the studio for, for maybe 90 seconds, as you said, and then it was some other program. So uh, a lot of the this is I know people complain about streaming and, and having to pay, but this is one of the advantages of streaming. Yeah, and then the other thing too, because we interviewed uh, Pierre Moussa, who's the NBC Sports's I mean, top producer for the Premier League, and he was talking about like uh, for a post match on Peacock is there's no time constraints, so they can go as long as they need to. So if it's even thirty minutes, forty five minutes, an hour, if they want to, there's no there's no uh, other programming coming on right after it where they have to break away. So that if something major does happen, they've got that opportunity to, to to keep on going until I mean while it's still relevant and timely and 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 still got something to add, and and that's a huge plus of Peacock. We'll we'll get into that in a little bit too. And I just want to mention too. So on the Fan Fest, uh, Kartik wasn't able to make it on on Saturday, but I went Saturday, and um, we did the interviews with with uh, NBC on, on Friday. But just a really fun experience again for me. Uh, and the the part I like the most is is talking to the soccer fans, and I was Kartik blown away by how much they know about their teams. So I ran into some guys, um, some supporters, and actually it was a guy that was I think Matt, who's a Southampton supporter, and I was talking to him about uh, the predict the predicament that the, the team is in right now in terms of uh, in that relegation battle. And just in talking to him for about five to ten minutes, I was like, wow, this this guy knows the club. He knows the the managers, the players, uh, knows what's going on. Not not just that, but also Nathan Jones as the the Southampton manager. He was talking about um, the club he came from and the playing style that Luton has and and how that's been able to kind of uh, you mean, he's been watching Luton a lot to kind of get some analysis in terms of uh, Southampton. And that's just one example. I mean, you saw so many fans from around the country there wearing different shirts, and you could tell it was a really eclectic mix of uh, ages, genders, you name it, and uh, a really fun experience. Uh, I'll definitely uh, look forward to the next one. Now, Kartik, you mentioned the Peacock and talking about how much time they have. Um, I'm not sure if you got the chance to watch the the game on Wednesday night the, uh, on HBO Max, uh, US against Serbia. But it's really weird, though, because weird in a different, in a surreal way, not in a bad way. It's weird because um, HBO Max doesn't have commercials, so you have pre-match for USA against Serbia. You got half ta- half time and post match, and we're we're used to as viewers um, having commercial breaks and not having those commercial breaks gives the broadcaster so much more time. So when it is pre-match and not having to break away to go to a commercial, you get more talking, you get more analysis, uh, or basically more talk time. Same thing for halftime, same thing for post-match. Post-match, they had 30 minutes uninterrupted. Um, and and with Peacock we don't get with, with Peacock we do get TV commercials but not as many. Um, 
so I'm going to put it to you, Kartik. Did you get a chance to watch HBO Max? And what did you think in terms of how they were able to use the time that they had? So quite frankly, I was so motivated by this match, I actually fell asleep before the kickoff time. <laughs> that having been said, I did watch it uh, Thursday morning. And a uh, couple of observations. So um, the pregame was uh, longer than I anticipated. And um, uh, Kyle Martino was name dropping very early on. Right, I, I talked to Kobe Jones about this player. I, I, you know, I talked to this one about that one. Uh, but I thought you know, he and Luke were, were good. They, they, were, they were good calling the game. And Martino, as uh, uh, this is something I compliment because you don't often get you sometimes don't get this with Fox uh, Martino w- w- was uh, w- wanted to be able to represent uh, since this was a Serbian C team or something uh, right there were no 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 players from Serbia that were in the World Cup uh, were on this side um, he wanted to represent that's uh, th- those players right and, and talk about those players so he had done his homework very clearly on uh, on, on some of the Serbian players so that's good that I really like um, halftime time was uh was kind of interesting wasn't it you know when you have um uh, uh the, the 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 three of them standing up um julie Foudy seems to be kind of facilitating the discussion yep. i think the marcus measley made a lot of good points but they were sort of long-winded points right i mean they were this maybe this is the byproduct of not having commercials chris actually um uh, both at halftime and post game i think that there were maybe uh opportunities to break up the analysis and and kind of the set piece conversations if you want to call them i mean i'm using a football term to describe uh broadcasting but the the the, the conversations um which uh, without commercials there's no natural break and maybe it got kind of long-winded that's something i think that they'll work on as they uh as they get better uh as they get more reps in um also did you notice that the, the the mic flags that um they were holding had both tnt and hbo max on them and a special U, uh and the u.s uh, uh soccer federation logo so uh Props to Warner Discovery. They've gone out and um, and this may be a little thing that maybe only people like you and I know notice, Chris. But the mic flag to me is all is sometimes a um, because I've been in broadcasting myself that uh, conveys a level of seriousness or unseriousness to me, and uh, I think that that to me shows that uh, this is an important product for for uh, for the broadcaster for Warner Discovery. Yeah, it's early days, definitely. I mean, this is only, like, what, the third broadcast they've done. They did the two U.S. women's national team games in New Zealand, and then they did this one in L.A., and then they have the one this weekend against uh, Colombia. Um, I I will give them props for a lot of the things in terms of actually being at the stadiums, uh, being pitch sides, um, really making an effort. They could have easily done this in in a studio, but they didn't. They went out. they're trying different things, and they're not they're not as aggressive as uh, Bleacher Report was um, or, or TNT for the Champions League, where they made some, dr- I mean, dramatic, drastic changes. So this is something where they're, they're trying testing different things. Um, overall, though, it still feels low budget. It just feels like the production's not that good. There were audio issues with kind of when even when they had the. Uh, the, the team lineups showing kind of as they're talking through and the music's too loud, but then Kyle's uh, mic is too low and then they turn the music down, but then you can't really hear Kyle that much. Um, yeah. With DeMarcus, I, I agree 100% with you, Kartik. Uh, I'm a big fan of him as a player, but he is definitely as an analyst long winded. 
and it's almost like you want Sarah Walsh to, to kind of step in and, and kind of break up the conversation and 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 kind of move it along or or, ch- or have Julie have a chance to talk or just kind of mix it up a bit because um they have a lot of time i i i don't feel that they're using that time really well i mean it's new it they're trying to get the chemistry going but the amount of time that they have and the lack of really really good insight or thoughts that come out of that um there's a big difference between the two i mean I, i'm not getting a lot of a lot of really good insight yeah, at the risk of being called an ESPN fanboy again, I uh, I haven't watched uh, Football Americas yet today uh, as we record this on, uh, what day is it, Thursday? I, I am sure when I tune into Sebi and Herc, I'm going to get more analysis yeah. than I did from HBO Max last night. So that and that's just the way it's, it is, it seems, with, with everything. Like, regardless of who the broadcaster is, I'm still turning to ESPN's um, shoulder programs for analysis. So maybe that's just par for the course, or maybe that's just my personal preference. Yeah, even ESPN and, and Fox, I'd say Fox too, in terms of production, and you switch on a US game and, and how it looks and the graphics and everything and the audio uh that feels a lot more professional. I mean, not, not that the Turner uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is, is not professional. It is professional. It's just that there's, I don't know if it's a, like a junior production team or if they're still just learning on the job or, or there's just like not as much attention to detail uh, or because it's so new that they just haven't aced it yet. Um, so it's good. I, I like the attempts that they're making. It's just, I think it can be much improved. And... Um, the analysis, yeah, I think there's there's something missing there too in terms of basically doing with what they ha- uh, doing what with uh, the time that they have. I think uh, they may might be able to do some different segments. I, I like that they did a whole thing on Serbia, the insight there, and uh, the high point for me, Kartik, was hearing and listening and watching Kyle Martino. Uh, just a breath of fresh air to have him back. He's great on camera. He's making jokes. He's kind of doing the moonwalk. He's, he's, it's so good to have him back. And, and it's been a long, long time without him on, on U.S. television. Yeah, it's been uh, almost three years now, uh, and uh, we've missed him. I, I still think we miss him on Premier League coverage. So um, it's great to have him back. I, I agree. Uh, one one last note on this broadcast: I, I, the the production level uh, was uh, quite uh, disturbing, and uh, as you mentioned during the walkout, uh, the, the the new uh, the, the music, and then there was also some um, not so crisp transitions, even to when they went to Melissa Ortiz uh, to to give the interview with Anthony Hudson. And and some of those things seemed very. I think maybe you used the term earlier, uh, um, junior highish or high schoolish. I I think those things get worked out with time. So I'm going to be a little more lenient. But yeah, there were some issues with the production. Although I have to say, again, even though I'm saying I, I want to, I'm going to watch Herc and, and Sebi to get some more analysis. The actual match analysis I think is better than what you get on Fox. And, yeah. and maybe that's a uh, that's a, a byproduct of having both Julie Foudy and Kyle Martino, who are two really good um, analysts of, of U.S. soccer uh, in, on their broadcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The commentary was good. Um, wasn't perfect by any means, but um, but I like what Luke uh, Wallman and, uh, and Kyle are doing. One more thing on this two card is that uh, pre-match, they did a um, something new, something different. They're trying something different again, nothing too radical, but they had a... Uh, an interview with uh, Walker Zimmerman 
as he's doing his warm-ups. And there he is. He's, he's I mean, passing the ball back and forth. He's warming up. And they, ha- they have a mic on him, so he's talking. And then they're asking him questions. But because he's constantly moving back, forth, pass, pass, and, and he's talking at the same time, it just it just wasn't <laughs> it's it was too distracting. Um, even because he kept on moving, and then also it was difficult to hear him hear him clearly at times because I mean he's he's I mean he's running, he's kind of jogging. I mean so he's I mean he's not he's concentrating on on playing but trying to talk at the same time. Um, I don't like that uh, method or this idea. It just like you mean, if you're gonna get grab five minutes with him before a game, do it before warm up, and just you mean do something there where you can focus and he's not moving around not the whole time. All right, Kartik. Um, what else can we talk about? What, what, the Bundesliga. So I've watched quite a bit of Bundesliga um, the last uh, week or so. Uh, watched the Bayern uh, Cologne game with a lot of interest. Um, it's just a fun league to watch, but I think in some ways, I think with Bayern stumbling a little bit and showing some vulnerabilities, um, it might make the Bundesliga title race between now and the end of the season more interesting than in previous years. What do you think? Yeah, Bayern-Eintracht is a ma- massive match uh, uh, this weekend, 12, uh, 12.30 Eastern time on Saturday, uh, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, unfortunately, Chris, uh, uh, our friend and, and uh, uh, eminent voice of the Bundesliga, Derek Ray, has contracted COVID, uh, so he will not be on the call for that match, which is really a pity because the title race is getting interesting. Eintracht uh, played well in Europe, right? They're in the knockout stages of Champions League. Uh, they're one of the teams hunting Bayern down, trying to hunt Bayern down in the uh, 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 Bundesliga, and we're not going to have Derek for this match, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'd, it'd be a good chance, though, too, to, to for us to hear some other um, commentators. I'm, I'm not sure who's going to be calling this game, but uh, whether it's Phil Bonney or I mean, there's a lot of uh, good commentators there. I mean, Derek, of course, is uh, one of the best, if not the best, um, in that league for sure. Um, in terms of some of the other things happening too around um, the world of football. Uh, we'll get to MLS season pass in a few minutes in terms of just some of the things that we've been hearing from our sources. But um, one of the things that I think I think following up on this um, U.S.-Serbia game, too, is that to me, probably one of the best things that could have happened to U.S. soccer in the last few months is the whole scandal, the kind of the outrage, the kind of the the war of words, so to speak, between Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna. And this is a story that keeps on going, Kartik. This has been going on since, what, uh, November. Here we are, almost in February. Uh, we're talking about it every single time that, that Gio Reyna steps on the pitch, every single time that he scores a winning goal, which has been uh, two in the most recent uh, games in, in Germany. Uh, social media is still talking about it. And then we have, um, you're either in the, the Berhalter camp or, or the Reyna camp, and there's still a lot of, discussion and kind of friction happening and this story is not over by any means anytime yet i i think this is a good thing for u.s soccer i think this is something this is a good thing for soccer in the united states we off i think in many ways this this is kind of what major league soccer is missing is a little bit of friction a little bit of kind of uh kind of um kind of controversy really where you kind of like dive deeper into things that are happening off the pitch I mean, and you see this in NFL, you see this in college football, NBA, the Premier League is, so, is one of the greatest soap operas there is. Um, I, 
are you on the uh, enjoying this uh, this journey? Yeah, no, no, they need this, and MLS doesn't have this. U.S. Soccer generally doesn't have it. Uh, Carly Lloyd was very uh, direct, and I think uh, to the point, uh, accurate in her in her autobiography when she talked about how you know the sanitized image you see from U.S. Soccer isn't real. Right, <laughs> you generally see like this lovey-dovey image, and MLS is is really um, uh, insistent on that, right? You know, they 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 they, they stifle uh, controversy, they stifle personality. So um, it's funny we're recording this uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Those of you who follow me on Twitter have just seen. As we began recording, we um, um, unleash a seven-tweet thread about Pep Guardiola and Pep's comments, which I had not seen, right? Because we were at the Fan Fest in Orlando when um, when uh, the Spurs-Manchester um, City match took place. I went back to go look at clips from the Fan Fest to prepare for this podcast, actually, Chris. And one of the clips was um, Rebecca Lowe and Gary Cahill and, and, and the Robbies breaking down Pep's comments. So I'm like, okay, I got to watch this. So I watched Pep's comments in its entirety. And it's all about the things MLS, it's, 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 you know, what you're saying. It's basically the stuff that U.S. soccer and MLS lacks. He's having a go at Manchester City's supporters. He's having a go at his own team. He's saying we've let the standards slip. He's saying this is about passion. He's saying we were lucky to beat Spurs, right? Antonio had, Antonio being Antonio Conte, had his team organized and, 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 and uh, 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 we were lucky to beat them, right? You know, we know how hard to play against them. It is. That sort of thing is not permitted in U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer normally, right? Or on the U.S. women's side, as as Carly Lloyd alluded to in her book. That sort of um, outing of personality, that sort of creation of controversy by the most um, prominent people in the game, in in this case, Pep Guardiola being one of the most prominent people in the world game, right? But the equivalent in U.S. soccer will never say these sorts of things. And if they do, they're brandished as pariahs. So I think this is really good to draw drive interest. And hopefully, based on it and based on the interest it's, it's driving, we'll see kind of a change in culture, even in how maybe MLS is broadcast on Apple TV, which is something I know uh, you want to talk about. Yeah, and that's something, too, even from the these games on uh, HBO Max. I mean, it was last week was uh, DeMarcus Beasley saying, like, hey, I, I think that Berhalter uh, has got to go. He's not going to be coming back. That, that's his thoughts. Then this week we had uh, Carl Martino saying like, "Hey, like Greg's still in 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 the race. He still could be the the coach. Nothing's ruled out yet." Um, and then we look at this weekend's game with uh, USA against Colombia on a friendly too. And I'm sure there'll be some discussion in in that game or post match, pre match, or halftime uh, about it. It does drive interest for sure. And that's something that that I'm concerned about a little bit. Um, so MLS season pass, I'm, I'm a big fan especially for cord cutters, this is fantastic in, in, in order to be able to watch every single game uh, with one subscription and not have to worry about blackouts, not have to worry about kickoff times, not have to worry about where to find those games. However, the talent that MLS is hiring to, to have uh, on these games, so whether it's uh, presenters, co-commentators, uh, or the commentators, or, or analysts, all of them are going to be employed by Major League Soccer. So what does that do if if something does controversial does happen in uh, in a game? Are they going to be or something controversial that happens with Major League Soccer where MLS you mean screws up and, and makes a wrong decision or uh, ha- basically uh, makes a decision on something that's very controversial? Are we going to see really kind of that um, 
honest, transparent analysis and maybe criticism or, or discussion even about those things on Apple TV on, on the MLS season pass. I don't, I don't think so, Kartik. I think for the most part, I think they're going to be a lot of these. This talent is going to be a little bit kind of like, hey, maybe I shouldn't say anything in, in case that would put my uh, my my job at risk. Yeah, let's say uh, MLS signs a, another player of Zlatan's um, uh, uh, personality and uh, and quality. Uh, not many of those guys in the world. So, I mean, there's only one Zlatan. But we know how that really pushed the comfort level and, 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 and sort of um, made uh, a lot of these people who, who want uh, it as sanitized as possible, including in the media, very uncomfortable, the things Zlatan would say. What's going to happen now that you have um, Apple TV or, or, or MLS Season Pass and, and effectively commentators and, and, and co-commentators uh, who are working for MLS analyzing uh, that sort of commentary? Just, just think about Zlatan's comments a few years ago. I think it was 2018 about Major League Soccer, about Carlos Vela, among other things, um, and, and put that into the context of this, uh, this era. Uh, of broadcasting. I, I think that that will, it will be a problem. Yeah, the other part of this too is that a lot of the talent that have been hired are on one-year deals. So it's not like they got a 10-year contract with Apple uh, and MLS to, to be I mean, one of the commentators or co-commentators or analysts for the next 10 years and, and now they're set. It's a one-year deal for a lot of these guys. So they, they're, on, they're on the hook, right? They have to do a good job uh, they have to, you mean, basically kind of uh, follow the script, so to speak, in terms of, you mean, just basically provide um, good analysis, etc. So I think a lot of them will be a little bit gun shy about being, uh, you mean, saying anything too uh, controversial. Uh, on the other hand, I think you'll get a lot of these guys, and it's already started already on social media, talking about how MLS is one of the biggest, uh, is, is probably the best league in the world, or talking, basically trying to promote uh, MLS Season Pass. And it's early yet. I mean, it has, uh, MLS Season Pass doesn't launch until February 1st. The first game is February 25th. But I'm sure over the next few weeks, you'll see a lot of people that are going to be the talent really promoting and pushing, uh, getting p- people to try to subscribe to, to MLS Season Pass because they know that um, they need us. They need, they need the subscribers. They need the socket people to subscribe to the service in order for this to be successful. So what else can I take? What else in terms of MLS Season Pass? Because there's a lot... Um, so in the last couple of weeks, you and I kind of you mean, have been talking uh, offline. One of the things I keep on hearing quite often, and we mentioned this, I think you mentioned this specifically um, over a year ago, was in terms of how much work, and, and, and you having worked at other leagues uh, in the United States, uh, North American Soccer League is one example, um, how much work there is to produce games and we have MLS with I mean, almost 30 teams nationwide, two different countries, um, hiring all of this talent, uh, brand new, starting something, basically almost starting its own TV network, so to speak. The, the, the word I keep on hearing from people within the business um, is overwhelmed, overwhelming. It's, it's just a huge, huge challenge to get this right. Um, what are you hearing? 
Yeah, it's overwhelming. And I, I said this when this deal was made on the podcast that I know what USL went through. I know what we went through at NASL. I know how difficult the quality control is, how difficult it is to get consistency in, in, in leagues that are lower division leagues, uh, but you want to convey some sort of product uh, and some sort of consistent product with, with um, the same camera work in, 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 in each place. It, it got to the point, Chris, where I know NASL did this and, and uh, uh, I, I, I've been involved in some of these discussions at the team level and at the league level where you start sending people uh, to monitor the broadcast at every match, to, to monitor the, to, to the, uh, the camera work. You send someone on a plane to, to, to a match just to do that because you have to have a certain level of consistency production-wise. And it takes months and months and months to train people to do this properly, to do it consistently. Uh, that's not even to mention the whole side of the commentary side and, 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 and all of that. Uh, you have to make sure uh, even things like the, the internet connections in, in, in certain grounds uh, are, are up to level and you have to test these things. Uh, time and time again. Now, granted, MLS is at a higher level, right? They have newer stadiums. They have uh, control of their stadiums for the most part. There's a couple teams that are an exception to that. But um, so that part might be easier, but it's still it's still work. It's still something that takes many, many months to get right. In addition to the fact that you then have um, Apple TV, which um, I think the production level, uh, the quality level of what they present is maybe even higher than your your Amazon Primes and your Netflixes and your and your Disney Plus, Disney, ESPN, Hulu uh, combination. So I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. And uh, yes, I'm hearing from from my sources, like you have from yours, that they're overwhelmed. This has uh, become much more complicated and difficult and cumbersome than they thought. And they literally, like every day, are scrambling. And and I think the um, the thing that is going to be, uh, to me, a real uh, tell is if we um, if we continue to have um, uh, very little kind of information about how everything is going to look and feel uh, once we get into February, right? They've given a February 1st um, date, uh, Chris, in terms of la- launching the marketing. But if we're at February 10th, February 15th, and we still have some questions what February 25th is going to look like, um, then I think we're in, in, some, in for some real shocks, uh, maybe in a bad way. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, I don't think this, is, this will be a disaster, but there's definitely going to be some, uh, it's going to be rocky in the beginning. I think, I'm think i sure just with anything, just like with HBO Max, there will be um, some things that they can, they can improve upon. Uh, some things probably going to be new and different. They're going to be great. Um, but it is going to be a little bit bumpy in the beginning. But just, but the the question is like, how long will people wait? I mean, to give uh, a little bit of patience, will they wait? I mean, a week of broadcasting and, and then think, okay, right, everything should be all all good and running up now and and working fine. Or will they give them a little bit more um, length of time? I mean, the pricing part of it too is, I mean, for the the annual subscription is a hundred dollars. So you want to get high quality with that. You expect high quality with with a price point like like that. Um, some of the things in terms of kind of the what we're hearing, what, what I'm hearing from my sources is that um, we know that IMG has taken over the production, and that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. Reason being is because in September or October, uh, the Athletic um, reported about uh, a, a producer that was brought brought in. This is before IMG P- producer was brought in to, to handle uh, MLS season pass. After six days, he quit. So they lost that, and which is why I think in many ways the MLS has gone to IMG to have them do the production. Uh, and Kartik and I know how good IMG is in terms of production. I mean, listeners, you probably know in terms of watching Premier League productions and, and how, how smooth it is and how good it looks. However, that comes at a price. And MLS uh, going to IMG is almost like kind of declaring like, hey, we can't do this ourselves. We need to go to an expert that's gonna, that has experience doing this. Um, so that's a good move. It's just it's just what that cost is in terms of something maybe that they weren't expecting initially. Um, that is, I mean, we'll we'll wait and see on on that. The other thing I'm hearing too about uh, commentators, and this is w- one of the the big concerns about MLS fans losing their local regional sports network and their local broadcasters. So whether it was, I mean, JP to camera, I mean, Joe Tollison, you go down the list. This, you, you lost all of those local. Uh, commentators. Some of them have been brought back to uh, to work with MLS Season Pass, but not all. However, what I'm hearing uh, from one of my sources is that um, the commentators and talent will be going to the games, but they'll be focused on a, on a regional basis. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, as one example, and you're Keith Costigan and Jake Zivin and, and some of these guys that are doing those games um, in the Seattle, Portland area, uh, you're, you may be expected to cover the games, maybe some some of the games in California, um, and and in, in the Pacific Northwest, and maybe I don't know, maybe uh, Real Salt Lake, and you have your area, so you can you can focus on those teams, uh, come up to speed on, on those teams. I mean, do everything you need to do so you're prepared, rather than at random being sent to some part of the United States or Canada. Uh, to call a game and you not knowing as m- as much about those teams um, as, as the local people do, so that that's good news too. 
Yeah, I think that that's a very smart move, and that's the way uh, it, it probably should be done. At USL, uh, for those who aren't familiar with USL's model for USL productions, which uh, airs on ESPN+, Plus, uh, they, uh, they, they uh, centralize a lot of the announcers, uh, but they're assigned to, 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 to certain teams or to certain regions just like this. So it's not um, – so what you, what you generally have is um, a similar sort of rotation. Sometimes uh, people are assigned specific specifically to teams, uh, even if they're calling matches uh, or based in Fort Lauderdale, where USL Productions is based uh, in Florida, uh, they may be assigned to a team and, and they have to follow that team closely. So uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So here we are. It's at the end of January, um, the, the 1st of February, when they're launching MLS Season Passes next week. And there's very little information uh, other than what we've known now for a few weeks there hasn't been many, uh, much uh, additional information. There's a lot of questions that people have. Um, so we will have a MLS Season Pass FAQ um, at worldsoccertalk.com that will go into a lot of detail, that will answer the questions, uh, that will dig deeper into um, the concerns or, or, or issues or questions that you have. Because it, this is a brand new thing. This is a huge thing for Major League Soccer and for Apple. And the success of MLS Season Pass uh, most of that is dependent on how many subscribers uh, MLS gets. And I really feel, I really hope that they make a big push on the advertising and marketing side um, to get the information out there. So whether it's you know, advertising on sites or whether it's uh, doing some PR campaigns or whatever it may, it may take to get the information across to fans because this is new. This is com- this is completely different than any- anything other than the Bundesliga with ESPN Plus. But the difference here with uh, MLS Season Pass is that global nature, that, that global deal. And yes, some of those games will still be on television about about a thirty year season um, across Fox and FS1 and FS2, probably FS1 mostly. But uh, for the most part, this is brand new. So it is a lot of change. Uh, and again, for cord cutters, I mean, there's a lot of questions that are coming up too. For example, if you want to subscribe to, actually, let me, I'll, I'll get into that in the listener mailbag. Um, I think uh, Ritik had a really good question, so we'll get to that in a little bit uh, shortly. Kartik, anything else uh, you want to mention that we haven't covered yet before we move on? No, I think we've uh, run the gamut of topics. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, so that's what we know so far. We will continue digging for more information. Uh, doing the discussions and, and hard work to try to get uh, the things across to you. I will mention one more thing, Kartik. Um, I have a question for you, and feel free to answer as honestly as you always do. How much La Liga are you watching? Um, less than I have in the past. I have a whole... Uh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast. I could give you a whole, 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 whole uh, um, laundry list of issues. Talking to, to, to people who know the league and, and Spanish fans of what's wrong with La Liga, uh, whether and in some of the mistakes Tebas has made, uh, obviously the the, the, the marketing, uh, some of the issues with, 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 with clubs like Valencia and the way Peter Lim uh, has managed Valencia and made it into you know they're they're like wolves, right? George, uh, uh, George Mendez is, is staffing the club, right? 
and, and uh, on and on and on. There were reasons why there were multiple, multiple layers of reasons why La Liga uh, is becoming less compelling. And, uh, and quite honestly, uh, the thing that I don't like in La Liga that I'm seeing also, Chris, is that uh, because Simeone had so much success, you know, at one point you saw a lot of teams try and play fluid football. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want the league to be like the Bundesliga where every team tries to copy uh, the way Bayern plays and the way uh, uh, Klopp and Tuchel played at Dortmund. And that means the teams at the bottom are incredibly open and uh, uh, you know, you never have uh, matches where teams are sitting in low blocks, right? That's the problem with the Bundesliga, right? I mean, you have teams that uh, always try and play their way out of trouble at the bottom of that league. But in La Liga, Chris, there are more and more teams that are playing the way Atleti play, Um uh, compared to in the past, from my perspective, and that has diminished my enjoyment as a viewer. And I think part of those, part of the reason that's happening is economic. It's not just oh well, Let- Letico had all this success in terms of uh, um, uh, winning trophies and coming close to winning even more trophies, right? Uh, playing the way they did under Simeone, or they continue to play under Simeone. Uh, but so I, I, there, there's just a number of factors, and maybe this is uh, something for a, a, a special show or, or uh, one of our episodes because there's there's a lot to unpack here yeah i and i mention it for a reason because um i mean the bundesliga always gets kind of criticized for being a one-team league however this season i mean whether it's rb leipzig or freiburg or frankfurt um there definitely are a strong contingent of teams beneath that that are challenging that, that could topple that uh, uh monopoly but to me, La Liga, I mean, really is, is, is a two-team two league. Um, and yes, Real Sociedad is doing well. But I, I probably watched this season probably less of La Liga than I have uh, on a per-season basis than in the last, I don't know, five years, six years. And yes, I enjoyed El Clasico, the, the, the Spanish Supercopa final. However, I just find the league really boring and and so whether it's like so you turn on ESPN FC and the first like ten minutes of it is talking about La Liga and what's happening and just even the interviews are so boring just the 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 managers the talent, uh, Xavi, fantastic player, fantastic manager, just really boring to listen to. There's just it just it, which is really odd because if you read his columns when he was out of management. <laughs> Um, b- between his uh, playing stint and his management stint, uh, he was taking on tough topics a lot. Um, even to the point where, I mean, he said something about Spurs and, and Pochettino, and Pochettino uh, addressed it in the media saying, well, Xavi's Barcelona. He's my enemy because I'm Espanol, right? Pochettino. So uh, he was kind of, and he would push it like uh, in his analysis of, of stuff as, as, a, as a writer, which is why as a coach, he's become just very, very, very... Uh, uh, milk toast, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. It's it just it's um, when I watch it, and I, I, I watch and listen to the ESPN FC analysis, uh, which I appreciate. It's just I just don't think that it's that exciting. It's just that most of the talent is not going to Spain like they did in the past. Most of the top managers are not in Spain like they were in the past, and um, Real Madrid's really not that great side uh, this season. I mean, a lot of uh, holes in that kind of a slow, tired, older side. Barcelona even is inconsistent and, and not looking that good either. Um, I think it's just really a bad time. But but to me, it, it's also the the, uh, the coverage by ESPN. It's just that Luis Garcia, eh, you mean, it's just um, 
and, and then the, the female presenter that they have, or the female... Um, pitch, Jenna Soler. Well, pitch side reporter, the one that does all of the yeah. interviews. Just, Je- just, Je- just Je- really, Jenna really Soler. boring. Just like, just, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I watch it, I listen to it, I hear it, and I'm like, this is so boring. I mean, I... <laughs> and if, this is coming from me, a big fan of La Liga. In the past, it just, I mean, it's not a good time for La Liga right now. Let me address something else on this. So Javier Tebas made it... Um, it kind of implied time and again that La Liga needed to have the best players, right? You were watching because of the players, blah, 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 blah. Now, La Liga doesn't have the best players. Many would argue, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona, Barcelona fans in particular would say, well, it's because Tebas has pushed, you know, his kind of ideological view of, 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 of how football should be structured. And so now you have a situation where... Um, La Liga has a hard time selling itself uh, around its clubs and around its atmospheres and around its supporters because they had made such a big marketing push around having the best players in the past. So that's that's another element of this. Like, like I said, we could do a whole show on this. I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm just scratching the surface. But that, that's another thing to consider. You can still market the Bundesliga without the best players. Lewandowski can leave, and you can still market the Bundesliga, right? Because it's about the atmospheres. It's about the culture around German football and, and German culture in general. La Liga has put themselves in a position where you can't market the league unless they have the very best players. And that is actually the fault of Tebas more than it is the fault of Florentino Perez or, or, or Laporta or, or Bartolomeu or whoever else is going to get blamed. Hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of going towards where, you mean, I think the, the Super League idea may happen at some point because i think i think all the other leagues probably say like hey we just can't compete with the money that the premier league is uh is making and spending and um we have to kind of basically partner together whether it's the i can't see the bundesliga doing it but but maybe it's the you mean the french league the spanish league and and well well, these these leagues are losing their supporters now i i think france might be in a different position because i think france is getting the sort of investment i'm actually been impressed by some of the the club purchases some of the investment in in liga in the last year chris uh maybe that's again another topic for another time yeah a lot of americans a lot of guys who have money a lot of guys who see potential in, in in the league Spain and Italy and Agnelli, I mean, Andrea Agnelli says a lot of things that are, I think, are ridiculous. He also says a lot of things that are very accurate. And I think when he speaks about young people not being interested in football, and that was one of his justifications for partnering with with uh, with uh, uh, Perez and, and, and uh, the others for the Super League. I think that's a very real point in Italy and Spain. I think that is a very and it's where England was in the 1980s, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. Chris, you lived through that. Yep. Um, so I, I do think that there's some valid points. And um, I don't know if Tebas recognizes that. So that's an ultimate problem for La Liga. Yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things that um, I, could, I could see that. I could see that in terms of, I mean, but that's something that Gianni Infantino says quite often in terms of we, and, and that's why he says, okay, we need the FIFA uh, Club World Cup because we're losing the uh the, the younger fans. Do we need something that's more exciting? That's going to bring all these uh, the best teams from around the world into a a FIFA tournament. Of course, uh, played. You mean let's go, let's go ahead and have uh, forty teams, 40, 48 teams, whatever it may, may, may make it. And oftentimes it's based on like, hey, we're losing that younger soccer fan. We're losing the um, the audience really for the future. So I think sometimes it, it can be true, but other times it can be something where it's used to for their own gains. 
Yeah, to put a wrap on this, uh, I think that this is something, Chris, where we could say MLS, uh, whether Apple uh, season pass, MLS season pass works or not, where they recognize that they have to they have to engage and keep young fans yeah. uh, in a way that uh, La Liga and Serie A, I mean, Serie A, we were criticizing La Liga, but we could have La Liga, uh, the, the criticisms are team compared to what I can say about Serie A and the direction they've gone recently. But um, I think maybe to Garber's credit, and to Mark Abbott's credit and everybody at MLS, they recognize uh, this is a problem in, cer- in certain European countries, in Southern European countries in particular, and let's not allow that to happen here. Yeah, I think it's more the, the marketing rather than Don Garber and Mark Abbott. I think it's more in terms of the marketing and how they market MLS and uh, appeal directly to that younger audience. Um, than it is, say, Garber or Abbott's in terms of the decisions that they make. But but yeah, MLS for sure does a really good job of, of targeting a younger audience. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, listener mailbag. Speech, speaking of Major League Soccer, uh, Jaime has a question. Jaime Garcia has a question about MLS season pass. He says, very interesting to see how many games the non-subscribers and Apple TV subscribers will be able to watch. Do you have any details? Maybe the free part will make Major League Soccer more popular, um, but the fourteen ninety nine does not. It does look very expensive. Yeah. So for this season, the twenty twenty three season, approximately forty three percent of the games will be available for free. So those could be available for free uh, within the Apple TV app. Um, which which is great. I mean, because you want to sample MLS season pass. Um, in some ways, you want to see what it's like right before you go ahead and subscribe to it. So the best way to do that is show games for free, a bunch of games for free, get get you hooked on this MLS season, and then and then you're sold, right? Then you then you say, okay, fourteen ninety nine, based on what I'm getting in terms of all the additional coverage and shoulder programming and and uh, you mean uh, whip around shows, you name it, right? There's a long list of stuff that they're getting. Maybe then that fourteen ninety nine uh, does it looks maybe not so bad in terms of pricing. Maybe the, in terms of the value there, there's an opportunity to kind of show that, improve that. So yeah, a bunch of uh, almost half of the games will be available for free, uh, which is fantastic too. Which will help help uh, get people kind of um, over the hump in terms of um, being worried about trying to get uh, MLS season pass working on their phone or, or tv or smart tv or computer or ipad whatever it may be leo says the mls season pass starts on february 1st while the season itself starts on february 25th i wonder what fans should expect in the period between the 1st and 25th of february and, and leo that's a great question because we don't know <laughs> there's been so little information we talked before about major league soccer on the public relations side, and they really need to do a really good job of getting the information across and out there to everyone about, um, I mean, once February 1st launches, like, you know, what's included, what can we look forward to, uh, what can we expect? Um, and I'm sure that some of the, um, th- there will be there will be content there, will be, there will be things there to bring people in, but it does seem to be like a very last minute, they're just scrambling, like you mentioned, Kartik, trying to get everything ready in time. And, um, and February 1st, they may not have everything ready in time. They may still be scrambling before that February 25th uh, launch date of the um, the games themselves. Ritik says, uh, it's very disappointing that Apple TV won't offer any less expensive package for MLS fans who are only interested in watching their club. 
I'm a diehard DC United fan, but other than watching other MLS games or MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League and most playoff matches, I don't have much time or interest in watching non-DC United regular season games. I hope they will consider adding that option in the future as it's a perfect way to increase subscriptions. And I'll pause there, Kartik, because there's some good points there by Ritik. And I think that's, that, that is the big difference. That's one of the big differences about this MLS season pass is it's all teams. So, uh, yeah. And most fans of MLS clubs are not interested in watching other teams in the league unless it's a big, I don't know, a big game or something controversial or, or something. So, um, and there, there are no plans to offer a subscription package just to that one team, uh, whoever you support. I guess, I guess they're looking at it too as far as the season ticket holders. Season ticket holders will get uh, access to MLS uh, Season Pass for free, in quotation marks. It's included in, in the price of the, the season ticket. And then you can watch, in this example, DC United uh, games and not have to worry about watching any of the, the other games. So um, I guess that comes up back to the pricing too, Kartik, is that, okay, fourteen ninety nine a month, right, is is one of the more expensive streaming services for soccer, if not the, the most expensive. However, if you're only interested in one team, and that team might play, I mean, depending on scheduling and stuff like that, maybe, I don't know, two games uh, a month sometimes, maybe three, maybe a little bit more, depending on, on what's happening, um, that's, for some people, it's going to be a difficult question to you know, whether to sign up or not. Yeah, and, and so because they're not offering those individual team packages, uh, I think that they're going to lose subscribers. I, I, I don't know what the balance is, though. They have to determine that because maybe they think most people who are interested in individual team packages are buying season tickets. Now, we see that with some clubs and we don't see it with some others. So that's another thing, right? In some markets, um, the bulk of the fan base and the people who would watch the matches on, on, on the RSNs um, were buying season tickets tickets uh that's the case that was the case with the la galaxy that was the case with uh with philly union i i, I could tell you like in the case of salt real salt lake um and sporting kansas city they had much higher numbers uh and i think there's some other examples too i'm just giving some random examples uh that i know about there were much higher numbers for people watching away matches in on uh regional on the local regional their local rsns or in salt lakes cases uh case for many years they had um their uh, away matches on linear television locally then we're going to the games so um you're potentially disenfranchising a lot of people uh in some markets whereas in other markets maybe it doesn't make any difference so that's another thing mls will have to figure out we're in a weird place with major league soccer right now because in the past there was always always those big names and those big names uh the, the idea the thinking was those big names would make people watch the league or get them interested in watching games so whether it's uh, Pirlo, I mean Gerard, Lampard, as um, Latan as you mentioned before, Carlos Vela to a certain extent when he did when he did uh, join the league, uh, Chicharito to a certain extent when he joined, there were I mean you go through the history of Major League Soccer, there's been so many big names that uh, the hope was that that would pull viewers in. Where we're at now, I'm having a hard job trying to think of like who's the biggest name in Major League Soccer right now. Who's the big name that's going to pull people in? So we're on the opposite side of the spectrum now where it's all about the teams. It's all about uh, having team the team chemistry 
a Philadelphia Union as one example. Um, not major stars, but a, a good team ethic, playing you know, decent football, actually good football under Jim Curtin, well-organized, and um, <laughs> which is great if you're a Philadelphia Union fan. But if you're a neutral or if you're somebody outside of a major outside of a, a city that has a major league soccer team what's going to pull you in what's going to make you subscribe um that's a great question i mean insignia is in the league that's the only I, I, who else <laughs> that's, um uh, i don't know i really I, and this is interesting because around 2015 mls had the strategy to try and collect as many pieces um lucrative pieces as they could uh, in, in addition to the names you mentioned david via uh, didier drogba alessandro nesta uh, there were big big names who came to mls t- to the point where at one, I, I, at one point I said, and this was completely misunderstood, and Premier League fans got very defensive and angry at me. I said there are more high-profile, big-name players right now in Major League Soccer than there are in the Premier League. And that was a time when the highest-profile Premier League players were guys like Aiden Hazard. Um, uh, he's, I can't even think. You know, that period, there was a period, it, it coincides with Leicester winning the league also. So there was, there was a dip in star quality coming out of the Premier League, not necessarily in the qual- overall quality of the league, but uh, it was a period before Manchester City had gone and gotten Kevin De Bruyne, um, etc. Luis Suarez had just left the league, riding on to Barcelona. So there was a period where I was saying, "Damn, MLS, they've they've got at least the names," and it coincided with them doing a new TV deal, an eight-year TV deal. This time, as they launch a new TV deal, um, I give you one name, Insigne. I, I can't think of any other players, at least that I you know think of as as as. Um, world class that are in uh, MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, can you? Is That, that well, seems to be the only guy I can think of. Yeah, the, the only one I can think of. And, and again, too, it's, it's, a, it's a player that we, you and I, I'm sure, appreciate, and, and many of our listeners do, but it's not going to be one of those names that you scream from the, from the rooftops is uh, Pozuelo. You mean, yeah. you mean, who's a great player, just a really yeah. fantastic midfielder that you mean, makes a difference. But and that's the thing, though, too, that MLS, there's always names mentioned in the press. Of course, Messi is one example. But other names, um, there are mentioned you know, uh, Busquets, uh, Giroud, Liao, you mean, all these players. However, will they eventually make it to MLS or will they make it to MLS this year? I, I think MLS is in a stage right now where they need that big signing. They need, they need someone. They need someone to, to draw in that audience. Um, for this launch in February. And right now, I, I don't feel it. I, I'm not going to say who it is, but someone mentioned Leal coming to MLS to me, and I laughed because, I mean, if MLS did that, great. You know, right. got, that, that's the statement signing of all the statement signings the league's ever made. That would be the statement signing. Uh, Rafael Leal, for those of you who don't watch Serie A and, and watch him at Milan, I think is maybe the best player in that league um, You know when he's on, but uh, I, I just it's never going to happen. So I, I think there's become also this thing now with MLS where people who who, who support the league or, or, or connected to the league start throwing names like that name out and some of the other names you mentioned. Uh, and, and knowing that it's probably unrealistic that any of these guys come, but they still have to they have to register MLS as a player in the transfer market uh, to, to gin up interest. One more thing about this too, Kartik, is that I, I know you're a big fan of the uh, USMNT uh, audience and fan base, but, 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 the, but those, that crowd... Is probably not watching MLS that much. They're 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 watching you know Juventus. They're watching Champions League, maybe a little bit of Premier League, but or Leeds United, or you mean they're watching Valencia. 
that they're choosing teams based on USMNT players, and most of the major stars are in Europe. So, so MLS definitely has a big issue that they need to resolve. I'm sure behind the scenes they're they're working on it. Um, but we need something. We need we need something to to really kind of. Uh, I mean, maybe it's messy, and 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 that that's quite possible. At some That's point. driving the conversation. You're right. The USMNT thing, because I've even noticed the last uh, two weeks, the interest in Crystal Palace spiking uh, because Chris Richards playing is starting now, uh, has worked into that team under Patrick Vieira. So, yeah, I think you're right. USMNT fans are focused on uh, Dortmund. They're focused on uh, on Juventus and, and uh, uh, Valencia and then Crystal Palace and Leeds and, and wherever U.S. players are playing. And then uh, looking at, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, some of the the top teams in Europe and, and, and trying to, to speculate as to, you know, where Americans could move. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a problem for MLS. Who's the highest profile MLS guy now in the U.S. men's national team? I mean, who, who do you market around if you're MLS in that case? Yeah, maybe Walker Zimmerman or yeah. even Kellen Acosta or I don't know. It just... Um yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's really tough. So, and and that's the thing that you and I have privately discussed. This I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but the audience for USMNT is very different than Major League Soccer. And actually, a lot of them don't like each other. MLS people don't like the USMNT crowds for many different reasons. Some of them social and political, but and vice versa. So they operate in two different kind of uh, circles. And there is some overlap, but it's a different audience. So, yeah, Rittick, Rittick, Rittick goes on to say, a pleasant surprise from this past weekend was two over-the-air Premier League matches on NBC. I noticed this, this will. I noticed um, it'll continue during the match week on February 4th and 5th. Should we expect this to be the norm moving forward? And that's a great point, too, because we didn't mention until now um, the viewership for that Arsenal-Manchester United match, which was on NBC on a Sunday, which was rare, uh, as well as Peacock and Telemundo. And then collectively combining that that audience across those three different uh, areas was 2.3 million people, which is the biggest, most watched Premier League game of all time in the United States. And a lot of that comes from Arsenal fans, huge fan base. A lot of that comes from Manchester United huge fan base and both of those teams have not done so well in the last few years and now there's that resurgence so they're interested and the neutrals are hooked on it it was a great game probably one of the games of the season I mean so so I think NBC will look at that and say like hey there might be a couple of weekends coming up with uh, NFL where there's like there's buys where they might not have uh, any games going on NFL and it could be some big opportunities for the, for those big games to have on Sundays, which we might see big numbers again. Let me mention something real quickly, uh, Chris. They uh, they have not had a season yet, NBC, in 10 years. This will be the first time uh, that Arsenal and Manchester United, who historically have uh, two of the three largest fan bases in the United States, you could say now that there's a lot of Spurs fans and Chelsea fans and Man City fans, whatever. But historically, those have been two of the three. Um, they have not had a season where those two have been in contention for a title yet. So I think you're going to see numbers uh, begin to spike. I- I'm not surprised by that number at all. 
all. I think it's not just reflective of the growth of in the popularity of the league and NBC's promotion. I think it's a reflection of the uh, of how those two sides are playing and how how excited their fans are. I I, I I'm shocked because um, I know a lot of Man United fans, and Man United fans are uh, even when they were second under Jose, and there was a year they were second under Solskjaer. Uh, they may finish third or fourth this year under Ten Hag, but they feel like some. They, it feels different, right? It yeah. feels like they now have the manager finally after 10, 10 years of shuffling through guys and no identity at the club. They finally have that guy uh, who, who, who's going to move uh, move the club along long term. So yeah. uh, I, I think this is uh, this is just the start of something for NBC in terms of ratings. That's a fantastic point, Kartik. Really, really a great point there because for the most part, you look at like the last 10 years in terms of the Premier League, which team has won the Premier League title the most, roughly? Must be Manchester City, right? Exactly, exactly. And that fan base is still, it's, it's growing. It, it, it is growing. I'm, I'm seeing differences in the last probably one to two seasons uh, in terms of that fan base growing in the US. But relatively speaking, compared to the other teams, it's, it's a much smaller fan base than Arsenal, Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, and Tottenham, uh, and probably a couple of other teams too. You mean probably you mean like, like an Everton fan base might be, or Fulham might have more fans than Manchester City fans. No offense, Kartik, but it, and we see this too from the website in terms of the amount of traffic coming to the website for TV schedules or articles. How much of an interest there is on each individual team, each individual league. So it gives us a good sense of kind of how much uh, demand. Uh, there is out there. I'll that. tell you this. I mean, this is, Vox Media had their layoffs of SB Nation writers this past week. When I managed the uh, the Manchester City site for SB Nation uh, almost a decade ago, so the beginning of the NBC period. But after uh, uh, Manchester City had already won a couple titles, Pellegrini was the manager. We had less hits from the U.S. than the Sunderland site. Um, so I, I mean, Manchester City is not uh, does not have that fan base. It's building in the United States. I know because at one time I was one of the few City fans in this country um, before the takeover. So that has not helped NBC. And as I, I I do the quick math in my head, Chris, it's five of the nine previous seasons NBC has had the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City has won it five times, so that's actually a majority. It's not just they've won them more than anyone else. That's a that's an outright majority of the years that NBC yeah. has covered the Premier League. Manchester City has won it. Okay, so two of those years, Liverpool ran them real close, so that helps NBC because Liverpool yeah. is one of those sides. Right. But Arsenal and Man United have not run uh, uh, City or whoever won the title close in any of those nine years. And for fans of uh, English soccer clubs in the United States, Americans. Uh, if you grew up in the 80s or 90s or the uh, kind of early 2000s, chances are if you became a soccer fan, it was more likely that you'd be an Arsenal or Manchester United fan because both of those teams, it was, you mean, it was the two biggest teams in England always fighting to try to win the title season after season, some legendary stars on both teams. Um, and that fa- fan base is still here. I mean, it, it, and it's growing. So, yeah, NBC is going to have, if, if this continues, uh, Great points, Kartik. This is going to be a major year for them. Yeah, uh, throughout the history of English football, I get into a lot of trouble for saying this, Chris, so maybe I shouldn't. Uh, Liverpool and Man United fans get very angry when I say it. But throughout the history of English football, if you start in the 1920s, no club has been as consistently uh, strong in contending for league titles over that uh, 100-year period as Arsenal has been. Uh, Even though they've won less titles, far less titles than Liverpool or or United, those titles have tended to come in bunches for those clubs. Uh, So uh, uh, Arsenal not competing for a title 
title the last decade is a pretty big deal in the historic trajectory of English football. Um, so it's good to have them back, and I think it's important for the league and for NBC as they get viewership, as they try and increase viewership, to have Arsenal back. All right, two more comments to go. Uh, next up is Dave. He wants to talk about Peacock and U.S. Uh, women's national team. He says uh, Peacock did a good, great job uh, last week with the U.S. Uh, women's national team game against New Zealand. It was clearly pulled together last minute and called off a monitor, but I have rarely seen a women's friendly get such high profile treatment in Spanish. Telemundo seemed excited about being the new Spanish home for U.S. soccer coverage, encouraging start. And I I watched uh, a little bit of Telemundo's coverage on Wednesday of the uh, the uh, U.S.-Serbia game. And Telemundo's doing a great job. I mean, the the sound mix is better. Uh, It seems more professional. It's on Peacock. It's in Spanish. Andres Cantos uh, commentating. It felt more exciting. I mean, it felt like something I'm I'm used to more often. And and, and yes, uh, HBO Max and Warner Brothers uh, did a good job too. But uh, Peacock's definitely doing great great on the Spanish side. Last but not least, um, Chris has a question about the CW. Even though this really isn't soccer-related, Live Golf is on the verge. Uh, actually, it's already signed uh, of a, a TV deal with the CW, which is a over-the-air network owned by the Next Star Group. The president of the network has said in recent interviews that they are actively pursuing sports rights such as IndyCar, Pac-12 college football, basketball, and importantly for us soccer fans, the NWSL. With this in mind, my question to the both of you is, do you see the CW as a player for soccer rights going forward? Yeah, you know, there were a lot of CW uh, affiliates, Chris, uh, that had uh, soccer rights through the years because they were because MLS, they they had regional sports uh, networks that had uh, that had MLS rights. So um, and and they would they would show some of those over the air on uh, the CW channel. In fact, I think the CW channel in Orlando had Orlando City for a few seasons. Um, Their away games. So uh, or some of their away games, not the entire package. Some of it was on the RSN. Some of it was on the CW. So, yeah. I think maybe this, 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 their programming holes now that they need to fill for their local affiliates in bigger cities because of the Apple TV deal. Uh, this is this is part of the knock-on effect that. Chris and I have talked about uh, you, Chris, Christopher Harris, not uh, Chris, who's written us um, about um, the knock on effect of the Apple TV deal. And I think one of them, maybe the CW needs to fill some programming holes and uh, they would go after soccer rights like they've gone after live and like they uh, are, are talking about the Pac-12 in particular. I've heard connected to them because the Pac-12 now is kind of on the outside of the uh, uh, of, of the sphere in terms of uh, 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 in terms of TV deals with college conferences. Right. We're seeing uh, the ACC is locked into ESPN. Big Ten is locked into Fox. Um, uh, Big 12, a lot of activity there. SEC, we know the situation with them and ESPN. So um, I I think it could be interesting. They could be a player, but I think they'll be a player for second-tier properties. Um, They're not – the CW network is not going to grab the uh, La Liga rights in the future or MLS rights or anything like that. Yeah, so the, my wife and uh, one of my daughters loves the CW. They watch it quite often, whether it's, uh, I don't know, Riverdale or The Flash or Stargirl, et cetera, et cetera. So they watch a lot of it. Um, what I'm hearing, though, Kartik, is, is that um, even though the CW has live golf, a lot of the CW affiliates will probably, a lot of them won't show the sports. It's it's up to each individual affiliate. So, like, for example, with the Arsenal-Manchester United uh, game, 
uh, recently, last weekend on NBC, probably, I mean, 99% of the uh, NBC stations uh, available nationwide showed the game. Not every single one does. The CW, if they showed, um, I don't know, uh, whichever game it would be against whoever, say it's an NWSL game, um, there's no there's no guarantee that that game would actually be available. Yeah. Chris, so this is an important point that I think a lot of younger viewers may not understand. Historically, NBC and CBS have had better relationships with their affiliate stations than um, Fox or any other network, the CW. And ABC is somewhere in the middle. I I know Disney has really worked on a lot of the ABC affiliate stations, but ABC uh, is in many ways kind of the third network, right? CBS and NBC have really strong relationships with their affiliates, uh, carefully chosen affiliates affiliates in every market. Uh, they've gone, both those networks have gone and bought stations, uh, uh, local stations in, 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 important, uh, um, in, in important markets for them. ABC has done a little less of that. Uh, so uh, e- this is something to remember when we're talking about over the air and games being on over the air networks. You're much more likely if a game is on CBS, like the NWSL games that have been on CBS. Um, although I guess you had an issue with that in Jacksonville, <laughs> yeah. you told me. Um, so that's an exception. Although I have to say CBS changed affiliates in Jacksonville. That uh, they weren't used to be on Channel uh, Four, and when they changed to Forty Seven in the Jacksonville market, there were some issues with 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 preemptions. But um, you're much more likely to see an NWSL matchup on uh, on your local CBS affiliate than you are to see an MLS matchup on your local Fox affiliate. For this reason, with Jacksonville as an exception, obviously. Excellent. Well, great, Kartik. Thank you for the insights and great content this week from everyone and, and listeners. Thank you for your questions. Uh, we were able to talk quite a bit about uh, those topics. If you have any questions that you want us to talk about, uh, even re- relevant to soccer, t- uh, television, streaming, uh, production, MLS season pass, etc., we'd love to get your thoughts and we'd love to read those out on air. Uh, you can reach us a-, a bunch of different ways. Uh, one is the website, worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, click on podcasts and then leave your comments in the most recent episode. You can email us web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can po- post a message there. You can tweet us uh, at uh, worldsoccertalk or you can leave a voicemail for us at 561-247-4625. Kartik, before you go, um, a shout out for uh, Beyond the, the 90. Yeah, uh, for those of you looking for more insight and, and kind of more kind of edgy content from me and from some other writers, uh, check us out at beyondthe90.substack.com. We have free subscriptions and uh, paid subscriptions. Uh, the free subscription will get you all of the Florida soccer content. So if you're a local in Florida and just want the Florida stuff that I'm uh, producing for that site, uh, the free subscription will get you that. The paid subscription will get you more uh, Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga stuff. Excellent. Great. All right. Uh, So heading into another weekend of football from around the world, what are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 